Welcome to week number five uh, in our series, From This Day Forward, and uh, we're, we're kind of taking a little different step uh, uh, this week, and we're going to be talking a little bit about parenting, because parenting actually has a lot of uh, impact, positive or negative, in marriage, and uh, real excited a- about this. Didn't Pastor Stephen do a great job last weekend uh, with real, mar- real dating in a real world? That was just awesome and, and pretty cool. We found out, uh, my wife Susie and I, we contacted our two oldest daughters in college. We said, you gotta listen to this message. Uh, they both did. And our oldest daughter is a prayer leader at Liberty University. She had her, her meeting with, uh, her prayer meeting with the girls that, that are in her group and they watched the video as well. So uh, it's just, it's gone global. It really has. So uh, we're really, really uh, proud of uh, Pastor Stephen and the job that he did. Uh, but uh, for those of you in Poughkeepsie, uh, we just want to uh, welcome you, and, and you're seeing this message. You're seeing me this week in Hopewell. We're going to be having Dr. Ron Cottle. He's going to be actually preaching on the same verse that we're going to be looking at uh, in, in our time together. Both these messages are going to be on our website, so you won't miss out on anything. So I hope you'll, you'll take a look at Dr. Cottle's message. Please don't compare him to me because uh, I'm going to go on the short end of that stick every time there. So uh, we're, we're real excited. It's a big weekend here. But uh, marriage and parenting, they, they really so many times go hand in hand. And as I said, uh, kids can be a great blessing in a marriage. At the same time, they can also be a point of contention and, and some real stress. And, and so uh, we want to be real, really practical uh, in this message uh, as we're talking about training children training children. Uh, and, and just as we start off, just a couple of real practical things I want to just throw out. Uh, one of the things that, that sometimes parents come to me and, and, and they ask, you know, just for some help and everything, what's the number one thing in terms of raising our kids that you'd say biblically? What's, what's the number one most important thing? You know what I always say is this, love your spouse. Love your spouse. There is nothing that makes a child more secure than seeing mom and dad love each other. It's so important, and in fact, if you have to show them you love, kiss your spouse in front of your kids. I, I mean, be affectionate with your spouse in front of your kids. Now, here's what's gonna happen. Happen uh, with, with our kids growing up all the time. They would run and bury their face in the couch, like screaming, no, no, no. But then they're looking out of the corner, I like, wow, dad really digs mama, you know? Mom really digs daddy. And so give, give your spouse a, a big smooch, be affectionate, because that brings security in the life of a child. When they don't see that, it breeds insecurity in the life of a child. And so it's very, very important. And, and so give them a big smooch. You know there's three different kinds of kisses, right? We, 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 we actually talk this all over, and, and I shared this with my girls, just instructing them as I, I needed to as a father. There's three different kinds of, of kisses, really kind of easy to remember. The first is peach kiss. That's peach. The, the second is plum kiss. That's, that's plum, so it's peach, plum. And then the third is alfalfa. And, and we just say, you know what, embarrass the kids. Go ahead and embarrass the kids. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to kind of leave that alone. Peach, plum, and alfalfa. Just remember that. And uh, my wife said, please don't tell that in this message, Greg. But I asked my daughter, Sophia, and she's like, Dad, thumbs up. It's going to rock. So there you go. That was credit to Sophie Williamson right there. 
But uh, we want to look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. This is the, the main verse that we're going to be looking at uh, in our time together. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. As I said, Dr. Cobb and I both, uh, this is the primary verse that we're going to be using this weekend. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That, that's, that's what we're called to do as Christian parents is to train up a child in the way they should, they should go. Now that word train right here is a very interesting word. It literally means teach a skill or a type of behavior through regular practice and instruction. That's what it means. Teach a skill or type of behavior through regular practice and instruction. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. This is interesting also, the way he should go. What it, what it literally means in the original language of the Old Testament Hebrews is this. Train them up with that skill in the way. The idea of the way is this. There is one way for all children. But the way that they're trained could be different. But there is one way of what God expects, how parents are to get our children on the way. Kind of reminds me when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So there's not a general way that they should go. God has a way that children should go. And as moms and dads, our responsibility is to train that child up in that way that they should go, and the promise, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. He'll stay on the path that we've set them on as parents. Watch this now. Whether it's the good path we set them on or the wrong path that we set them on, it all has to do with how we train our children. And, and so in our time together, I wanna share with you four principles of training children. Four principles of training children and we're gonna look at a lot of scripture here because that really is what makes all the difference when it comes to training our kids, training children. And, and so the first one is this, I think we need to ask the hard questions. As parents, there's a couple questions we need to ask of ourselves as moms and dads if we're really gonna train our kids in the way that they should go. First question, there's two questions. Here's the first question. Are my family's choices based on true and lasting guidelines? Are my fam are the choices we're making as a family, or are they based on whims? Are they based on trends? Are they based on culture? Are they based on fads? Are they based on preferences? Or are they based on lasting guidelines? Maybe I'll rephrase it this way. Are my family's choices based on true and eternal principles? Meaning, that don't change. That don't change. Or are they based on lasting guidelines or are they just based on passing fads? How do we know if it's an eternal principle? How do we know if it's a principle that really, uh, that, that we're training our children in that, that really is going to be eternal? that is going to be lasting. Well, the way I like to call it is, uh, the way I like to look at it is the Philippians 4 filter. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it's a matrix that we can view any activity or attitude or uh, 
action, atmosphere, anything like that through this filter of Philippians 4.8. By the way, parents, I'm gonna give you so many verses in this, in this message tonight that, that I hope you write these down. Uh, this passage was one that my mother had on an index card on our refrigerator, on a magnet. Had a little uh, uh, ladybug magnet, and it was that card right there. And we used to read these all the time. And so even preparing this message, I didn't have to go back too far. I just thought about those verses from the Bible that mom had on the refrigerator growing up. This is one of the main ones, Philippians 4.8. This is what it says here. Finally, brothers and sisters, speaking to Christians, brothers and sisters always is referring to the household of God, those who are followers of Christ. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so right there, Philippians 4.8 gives us a filter to really view our decisions, our activities. You know, everything that we do as a family are my family's choices based on true and lasting guidelines. Can we answer these questions in the affirmative about what we're doing? Or is it kind of like, I don't know about that. And so this is a great way to filter our our decisions, our activities, our priorities, and even our values, our speech, the things that we say through this Philippians 4.8 filter. So we've got to ask that tough question. Here's the second hard question that we have to ask. In what ways are you asking your kids to do what you say and not do what you do? In what ways are we asking our kids, do what I say, but don't really follow my example? Don't really do what I do. Because this, when we ask our kids to do what we tell them, but not what we show them, we're actually training them to be hypocrites. We're training that in them. We're putting them on a path, but it's not the way that they should go. And so this is a hard question that as moms and dads, we need to ask ourselves. In what ways are we asking our kids to do what we say and not what we do? See, it always begins, parenting always begins with the parents, not with the kids. It always begins with mom and dad. And in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six, God makes this real clear. Write these commandments that I've given to you today on your hearts. Begins with mom and dad first. Write the commandments that God's given. He says, write my commandments on your hearts first. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. God never endorses do what I say but not as I do. God always says, watch me is the way that parents should parent. Watch the way I live. Watch the way I conduct myself, and you do likewise. Follow my example. And so when when it comes to principles of training children, the first thing I think we've got to ask ourselves some really tough questions. Instead of, how do I fix this? How do I fix my kid? Maybe, what do I need to fix inside? Have I really written God's instructions on my heart? in such a way that I'm living them out, day in and day out. 
that if I never said anything else to my children besides just follow my example, that would put them on the path and the way that they should go just by following daddy's example. Or in your case, maybe following mom's example. So we have to start out by asking ourselves the hard question. Here's the second way that we train our kids, not just asking ourselves the hard questions as parents, but the second thing is this, I like to put it this way, take your kids to the Bible. Take your kids to the Bible. You know, the kids wanna, can you take me to the mall? Can you take me to the game? Can you take me to the party? How about take your kids to the Bible? Because that's what ultimately is gonna make the big change. You know, our, our children are not perfect. Uh, my wife and I have three girls. They're, they're, they're not perfect at all because I'm their dad. <laughs> so there's no way they're perfect. And, uh, and, and the, the change that you know, we've, we've seen in our kids consistently, when, when there's a challenge that comes up and how do we handle it, it's not dad's earthly wisdom that makes a difference. It's not even mama's earthly wisdom that makes a difference. What makes a difference in our kids' lives where we begin to see a change and transformation take place is when we take them to the Bible. Because God's word is truth and it's alive. And when we take them to the scripture, it changes and it discerns and it really just cuts through a whole lot of conversation we could just be having over and over and over and over and over again. Do you remember, for instance, when uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus when he went into the wilderness for 40 days and, and he fasted and he prayed and at the end of 40 days, Satan came to tempt him three times. Each time, Jesus resisted the temptation not by saying, you get on out of here. Don't you know who I am? I'm, a, uh, uh, you know, I'm the son of God. And then each time, what did he do? It is written. And he quoted from the Bible each time, because God's word is powerful. I'd rather read or or quote one verse of scripture from the Bible to my children than than give them an hour and a half lecture. They'll benefit more from the scripture, from God's word. So take your kids to the Bible. That being said, I'm gonna share with you just, uh, this is not exhaustive, but seven key passages in the Bible that I think would be helpful for parents. Seven key passages, we're just gonna go through these, deal with all kinds of topics, but, but you may wanna write these down and, and hey, listen, let's look at what the Bible says about this. Mom, Dad, what should I do about this? What should I do about this? Let's look what the Bible says on this topic. It's so important that we communicate the truth that exposes the lies of our culture, and God's word does that. An ounce of prevention really is worth a pound of cure, and God's word is that ounce of prevention, and we must model it in our own lives. So, so here's the first one. How about this, Psalm 101, verse three. This is, this is all refrigerator material, magnet material here. I don't even know if it do that anymore. Maybe there's some way you, I don't know, send a text, I don't, I don't know, something like that, but Psalm 101, verse three, look at what it says here. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. Boy, that's a, that's a great verse right there for parenting. I'm not gonna approve of something that God says that's wrong. That's what's being said here. I will not look with approval on anything that's vile, that's unrighteous, that's wrong, that's sin. 
I won't say something that God says is sin. No, that's all right. Because I'm being set on a path, on the way that I should go. And so this is a tremendous verse here in Psalm 1, in the 101st Psalm, verse 3. I hate what faithless people do. You know why? Because there should be a contrast in our actions, those of us who have faith in Christ and those that don't. It shouldn't be that we look the same, we value the same, we act the same, we do all the same stuff, but we just attend church. That's not what it means to be a Christian. Attending church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to the grocery store makes you a turnip. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. What makes you a Christian? When, when we have faith in our heart that we trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and his perfect life and his death and his resurrection in our place. And so this is a great, great verse for parents. Here, here's another one. Colossians chapter three, verse five. Look at what it says. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. We all got lurking, don't we? Stuff lurking inside of us. Even our kids do. Scripture makes that really clear. Children aren't born with a blank slate. Every, every single human being is born with a sin nature inside of us. You, you know, that's why you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. Now here's your lesson today. Take that toy from your little sister, okay? You don't have to teach that. Kids are born selfish. We're all born with a sin nature. And so Colossians, God's word says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking in you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. What is that? Sexual immorality, it's the Greek word porneo. It means any and every type of sex outside of the bonds of marriage between a husband and a wife. And you're not kind of married, you're either are married or you're not married. It says, have nothing to do with it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Those things are lurking inside of us. And what are we supposed to do? Put them to death, kill them, don't feed those things. Don't encourage those things. Ignore those things. Reject those things. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Wow. Worshiping the things of this world. When we're greedy, we're greedy after something else, and we put that in the place of God. And so it says, don't do that. Don't do that. Again, God's word just cuts through fads. It cuts through culture. It cuts through whims. It cuts through preferences and says, this is what God is looking for. This is the way to walk in the way that God wants us to walk. How about this one? See, see if anything culturally hits you when we read this one. Romans chapter eight, verse six. Obsession with selfie, I mean self, in these matters is a dead end. I, did, I, did I say selfies? I didn't mean to say selfies. Obsession with selfies, I mean self, in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into spacious, free life. Spacious, free life. Even with our girls, I've, I've talked to them about this. I'm like, yeah, you want to take a little picture of yourself? You know, you go ahead and do it, but you start posting too many of those of just you by yourself, Sweetheart, that's a problem. Get somebody else in the picture. Get your sister in there or something like that because we don't want to be obsessed with self because self is the opposite of focus on God. In fact, there's a message series I'm kind of tinkering with right now. Live in a Christ-focused life in a selfie world. Maybe coming to you in 2016. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. 
Attention to God leads out into the open, into spacious, free life. See, God doesn't want you all up in your head about yourself. He says, that's, that, that's a dead end. He says, you focus on me and you find freedom. We talked about this in our baggage series. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It was for freedom that Christ died, to set us free, free from ourselves. Free from being obsessed with ourselves. Free, about, free from walking in the room and thinking, who's looking at me and what are they thinking about me? We've all met people. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people, you know? People that, that when you meet them, you say, oh, well, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? You know, just selfish. Self-centered people. And so, this is another great verse. How about this one, a fourth one here, Hebrews 13, verse six. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear what can mere people do to me. Boy, that's a great verse. God is gonna help me. Why do I have to be afraid of people? Why do I have to be afraid of rejection? Why do I have to fear of not being in the in crowd in school or where I'm gonna sit in the cafeteria. Why do, why do I have to feel this anxiety? God is my helper. My confidence is in him, not in my crowd or the crowd that I feel like I ought to be in. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. God is on my side and he's gonna help me out. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? How about this fifth one? I'm trying to work through these uh, pretty quickly here because I, as I'm reading these, I, I can hear the pain in the room because God's word just cuts through, cuts through, and, and it convicts us in our hearts. Here's the fifth one. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. You're not gonna hear that in school. Teachers aren't gonna tell you that. That's what God says. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, what are we supposed to do? God always says, he says, don't do this, but do this. Look at what it says. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. We, we tell our girls that all the time. We say, you know, we know you have friends in school, uh, and, and, and that's just all part of it. But, but honey, you'll never have a closer friend in school as you will in church because you have the same values because of Jesus Christ. And, and so that's why it's a priority for us, always has been as a family, to, to help to develop those friendships, those relationships with those that have companionship with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Did you know that's in the Bible, parents? God says this is, this is how to encourage your kids to have companionship, friendship with those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Real important one for parenting. And then this one, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Run from sexual sin. Do you, do you see this reoccurring theme all throughout the Bible? Run from sexual sin anything outside of marriage. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Your own body. It's the only sin that really 
it, it sins against the essence of who we are as human beings. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And then it goes on and says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit lives inside of you as a follower of Christ? Who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. That's why in this series, and we didn't post it online, but the, the, in this series, the message I did about having fun, I, I made it real clear. My body does not, but Greg Williamson's body does not belong to him. It belongs to God, and it belongs to my wife on the day that we got married. But it doesn't belong to me. The scripture's very clear on that. You do not belong to yourselves. As a Christian, it's never, this is my body, I can do with it what I want to. No, Jesus died, not only for our soul, but for our bodies as well for everything that we are. He paid the price for it. He purchased it through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it goes on and says, for God, look at it, there it is. He bought you with a high price. The sacrifice of his son. He bought you. He bought me. That's how valuable we are. That, that's why we just don't go throwing our sexuality around and, 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 need, and sin with other folks. So you must honor God with your body. Kind of funny, it doesn't sound like that's optional behavior, does it? You must honor God with your body. And then this seventh one, again, taking the kids to the Bible, just cutting through it. And, and I've preached a whole message on this verse before. It is powerful. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Now isn't that interesting? I, I, I won't just get really deep into it, but, but just to make the point, when we hang out with wise friends, guess what happens? We become wise. When we hang out with fools, guess what? We get hurt. We may not even be a fool ourselves, but just being a companion of a fool will bring you down. Will bring you down. And so we tell our kids that. Be careful who you're being a companion with. Because if you're a companion with a fool, guess what? You're going to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt because of that. But if you walk with the wise, they will rub off on you and you'll become even more wise. And so we need to ask ourselves the hard questions. We need to take our kids to the Bible. Here's the third thing. Make the church your family's epicenter. Make the church your family's epicenter. They're the center of your family. And I'll explain that after I look at this verse because I think this is what the essence of what I'm trying to, to, to communicate is really found in this, this Bible verse. Again, so that it's not just, these, these things that we're sharing are not just uh, shooting from the hip stuff. Well, maybe the three different kinds of kisses were, but everything else from the Bible. Psalm 122, verse one, look at what it says. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. It made me happy. 
I, 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 was, I was excited about going to church. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And, and you know what? This is one of the biggest struggles, and I know it's a little bit different perhaps for you than, than it was for, for Susie and I raising our kids because most pastor kids, <laughs> Susie and I met at Bible college, the worst kids in Bible college are the pastor's kids. They are hell raisers. Absolute 24 karat gold hell raisers. You, you don't even have to ask them, hey, was your dad a pastor? You can just, you just watch them for five minutes. You can tell. But because so many times they have their relationship with their fathers as a pastor has been sacrificed for the life of the church. The church was put before the kids. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about making the church the center of your family, of your whole family. And, and I love the fact two of our girls, like I said, are in college now, but uh, one is still in high school. And they, they voluntarily, hey, we want to serve. And they serve all over the church, always have as, as, since they became time, uh, old enough to serve. And they serve in the nurseries. Our, our daughter now who is at home, she's like, Mom, Dad, I want to start a community group for the girls that are in high school. We're like, go ahead. How great is that? And so I'm not sure actually if she started it or it was handed over to her, you know, but, but she, she, it was something she wanted to do. She wanted to do that. So make the church your family's epicenter. I, I've heard it put this way before. Maybe you've heard me say it. Part-time parents don't raise full-time kids that follow Christ. Part-time parents who follow Christ, just part-timers on the sly, just every now and then, they don't raise full-time followers of Christ as kids. And so let me say this. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I may be biased on this point because I'm a pastor, but let me ask you this question. What other entity is going to assist you in teaching your children core values for their lifetime? I thank God for the creativity that we have here at Valley Christian Church in our children's ministry. Because when I'm preparing messages, I'm not thinking about your eight-year-old. But Karen Johnson, our children's pastor, that's all she's thinking about all week long, is preparing a message for your eight-year-old or whatever age your child is at an appropriate level from God's word that will help them grow and really receive these incredible, important values in their life from God's word. We have tremendous children's ministry and our student ministry as well, the same thing. You know, uh, what I heard anyway, as awesome as the message was that, that Pastor Stephen gave last week, it wasn't the first time he gave that here. He actually gave a part of that in the student ministry 24-7 because my girls were like, oh yeah, we heard, this is great. We want to hear it again. That's, that's kind of the, for those of you who are like, wow, that was awesome. That's just the steady diet that the students are getting on that quality and caliber of practical how to live out your faith on a regular basis. We have men and women in this church that are committed to teaching truth in age-appropriate, creative, and compelling ways, but more importantly, in biblical ways. And, and, and let me say this, and, and you'll probably never hear this in church, but you're gonna hear it now, and it's recorded. It's gonna, it's gonna be there. You can check it out. Like, did he really say what I thought he just said? Yeah, I did. 
If you're not excited to come to Valley Christian Church, I encourage you, find a church you are excited about and go to that church. We're not trying to keep people here at this church. I I think it's so important for your own spiritual growth and your relationship to grow with Christ. You need to be glad when they say, "Let's let's go to church. If you aren't excited about where Valley Christian Church is going, find a church that excites you. And let me say this also that you, you rarely hear in church. If you consistently hear in this church a boring message week after week after week, don't blame the message, blame the messenger. It's my fault. It's not God's. It's my fault. If you're bored to tears, that's Greg's fault, not God's. And find a place that does excite you when you hear God's word being taught, that does challenge you. Sometimes we are gonna feel uncomfortable. Sometimes we are gonna feel challenged. But you know, at the same time, most everyone knows when they go to the gym, I need to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Nobody goes to the gym to sit on the couch the whole time. I'm getting stronger by being uncomfortable. But if you're bored, that's a whole nother problem. Find a church that will excite you, that you can be passionate about. The message you hear may not always make you comfortable. It may not always... uh, you know, be exactly what we want to hear. It may have to address some difficult topics, but it should always be captivating and relevant to your life. And so parents, third thing, make the church your family's epicenter. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And now here's the fourth thing. The last point in terms of raising kids, principles of training children, Raise a family-centered child rather than a child-centered family. Raise a family-centered child. In other words, they realize there's something more important than just me. Raise a family-centered child rather than being a child-centered family. And and what does it look like to be a part of a family-centered, to be a family-centered child instead of child-centered. Child-centered, it's all about little Johnny and making Johnny happy. And even mom and dad will sacrifice their marriage just to allow Johnny to be happy all the time. That's child-centered. The family revolves around the child or the children. But a family-centered child is the child is, I'm a part of something bigger, my family. This is where God's placed me, and I have responsibilities, I have a role, and I have people that are counting on me as a part of this family. And and so quickly, there's four things that that make up really a family-centered child. A family-centered child. First of all, they have shared values. They have shared values with those that are in their family. Amos chapter three, verse three puts it this way. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? You know, we have some Williamson family values. And it's like, we, this is what we stand for as a family. And we communicate those values to our kids since the day that they were old enough to even understand. I, I can remember my father when I was a little boy that, that, that uh, he used to say this all the time and it culminated really when he dropped me off at college. And, and he dropped me off at college, and I remember one of the last things he said to me, dropped me off in Pensacola, Florida for college. He said, son, you're a Williamson. That means something. All my life, he'd filled in the blank of what that meant. 
what our values were. And so it means shared values. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? It also means a, a family-centered child that we, have, we show unselfish love in our family. That's where we learned love. We, we, we told this to our girls as well. You know, we'd go, I'd come upstairs and maybe they'd be, I told you my kids aren't perfect. They'd be fighting, and the sisters fighting, 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 you know, uh, because they, they shared a bathroom. And I was like, y'all need to get your stuff together because you think this is bad? Wait till you're in a dorm. And you're sharing a bathroom with like 50 other girls. Then, then you're going to find out, man, I had it made in the shade with my sister, just the two of us. And, and so we, we need to show unselfish love. This is, we learn this in our families. In, in John chapter 15, verse 13, it puts it this way. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And friendship starts in the family particularly with siblings. That's where we learn how to navigate through these relationships. Family-centered child has shared values, unselfish love. And the third thing is this, deep loyalty. Deep loyalty. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and 10, it says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Deep loyalty, because we're loyal to one another. We're going to help each other out when one falls. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And so we learn loyalty in the family, because we're loyal to one another. We prioritize, we put the need of the other above ourselves, and we're walking through this life together. Deep loyalty. And the fourth thing that is learned in a family-centered for a family-centered child rather than child-centered family, real transparency. It's learned in the family. Real transparency. John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus said an interesting thing. He told his disciples, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Transparency. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything. The Father has told me, I've been transparent with you. And so all of these qualities that Jesus actually expressed, every single one of these qualities that we just looked at in a family-centered child with his disciples, and these same qualities are what God wants to cultivate in our lives so that our children will see the example in our own lives because we're living it, not do as I say, not as I do. We're actually living it. And they have an example to follow, the way that they should go, because we've trained them in that way. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we've looked at your word tonight, Lord, that you would help us as moms and dads, husbands and wives, to really live what we're asking our kids to live, that we would never tell our children to do something that we're not doing ourselves, that they could follow our example as we are following Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would add whatever needs to be added to this word, Lord, that we could live this out, and you would take away, Lord, anything that shouldn't be there but that your word would be the thing that stands true 
and that we as moms and dads would train our children in the way that they should go, knowing that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.